Uh, this is the 415ers podcast coming at you as always three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Usually it's a Tuesday episode today after the Monday night football win for the 49ers, 38-10 over the Arizona Cardinals, 6-4 and four for San Francisco, tied for first in the NFC West with Seattle. That puts them above the Seahawks for now with the tiebreaker. So they are in first place. Uh, they are in firm control of their playoff destiny at this point. And all things are, are, are clicking in Ninerland. I mean, I mean, who, I, I, it doesn't matter. Look to me like maybe the Colorado Springs elevation, uh, <laughs> snow practice, all of it did in fact turn out to be the right idea, Mark, because um, they did not look gassed. They did not look at any point to be uh, with a lack of energy. And I do think that with the amount of offensively, the, the amount of weapons that they have, like they, they, they do have the, the means to keep everyone fresh, I think. Um, and, and that's what we kind of talked about last week. Like Elijah Mitchell coming back off IR got the most carries on the ground over McCaffrey. Um, this week they spread things out a lot more. As you mentioned, Mason getting in the mix towards the end, Mitchell mainly in the second half on the ground. They, they not only, I think, have an offense that can repeat some of these performances, maybe not all together where it's clicking in the, in the perfect storm, but they also have the means to keep these bodies on the field, uh, you know, barring any sort of random um, freak injury, just because they can spread it around so much. And that should also uh, a- allow them to take perhaps another step because, like, these guys are going to learn how to play better together to the point where it's just sub in, sub out, you know, like like McCaffrey can, can run the ball for three plays. You can give it to Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you can have Debo on the end around. You can dump it off to I. You can give it out to Kittle. Uh, th- there's just so much that they can do to lean on their opponents that it seems like the offense right now is one that not only um, has a high ceiling, but also has a pretty high stamina. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, the the – the altitude, I mean, you saw some cramps. There were a couple of Niners that went down early in the game. I mean, uh, Mooney Ward, but it was a groin not related to altitude at all. Um, Dre Greenlaw was a little banged up at times. There were some uh, some cramps. Debo Samuel had a cramp at one point. That's more than likely altitude related, but it didn't necessarily affect the 49ers' ability to perform in the second half. Meanwhile, you look on the other side. I mentioned that George Kittle touched down the second one he had that that totally iced the game. Uh, the Cardinal is showing very little effort to try to tackle him and, or just push him out of bounds. There's, there's no reason they shouldn't have been able to do that. Maybe that's the scoreboard talking. And maybe it's also the, the Cardinals feeling the effects of altitude. I mean, they stayed in Arizona, did not get ready by, you know, practicing all week in altitude. And there's kind of some conflicting science behind preparing for altitude. If, if just a few days in altitude helps, or, or maybe if it, drains your energy before you go up and exert yourself in an even a higher altitude but it did seem like it benefited the 49ers in this one and i agree with you um offensively they are they have the ability because of their weapons and i think specifically in the run game they have multiple people that they feel great about giving the ball off to i mean last week kyle shanahan said something that really stood out to me and i was kind of shocked to hear him say it he basically said elijah mitchell and christian mccaffrey have very, very similar skill sets, both running the ball and catching the ball. The part that caught my ear was catching the ball because Elijah Mitchell is not nearly as accomplished of a pass catcher as Christian McCaffrey. No running back is. But still, that stood out to me. And and Kyle Shanahan went on to say, 
We don't really have a gigantic preference one way or the other on any given play. We feel they're both very similar and both very good. We put either of them in any situation and they're going to have success. Now, whether or not you actually take Shanahan at his word, it doesn't really matter. The, what that means is the 49ers, as we talked about last week, specifically with Debo Samuel, they're not going to run Christian McCaffrey into the ground and we'll likely see his touches increase you know, as the games get more meaningful and specifically into the postseason. But right now, considering that Elijah Mitchell, I mean, last night in Mexico City, nine for 59, averaging over six and a half a pop, and most of that in the second half against a worn down Arizona defense. If you're getting that, there's no need to give Christian McCaffrey more than 15, 20 touches max. He had 14 against the Cardinals. Considering that everything else is working, you do not need your stars to carry gigantic workloads at this point of the season. No, look, 159 is a team, 5.7 yards per carry, along with uh, the one touchdown by Debo Samuel. One nugget on that. That was the longest uh, touchdown run since Raheem Mostert's 80-yard score in week two of 2020 against the Jets, which had a, a very different ending. Uh, that was the game that I believe Garoppolo, Solomon Thomas, and a couple of others might have gone down. Regardless, it is all smiles uh, right now in 49er land because they just shellacked uh, the the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Uh, one note about that Debo Samuel touchdown run as well. Uh, so that was Debo Samuel's eighth 10-plus yard touchdown run in the last two seasons. That's eight touchdown runs of 10 or more yards on 114 carries. Second most 10-plus yard touchdown runs in the NFL that span. The most, Nick Chubb, nine on 402 carries. Jonathan Taylor, seven on 483 carries. So Debo Samuel, one off the leader for most 10-plus yard touchdown runs over the last two seasons on about a quarter of the carries. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously he's he's not a full time back, but the but the the thing is like when he gets the ball, there is a good chance something explosive is going to happen. That's that's why he got paid the money that he did this offseason is because last year he established himself as something that uh, I I don't know I I certainly hadn't seen before at least at, at the rate that he had done it um, as as the wide back this hybrid you know, sort of offensive weapon that just finds the end zone. Like it, it, he's, he's incredible. Um, and, and Debo Samuel was, was that again last night, you know, maybe not his best performance of the season, but, but he, I think my biggest takeaway from, from Debo and I was a little bit concerned, Mark. I mean, I came on the podcast last week and said that Brandon Ayuk is, you know, the number one receiver for the 49ers. Um, I still kind of believe that in, in through the air in a sense, but, you know, how would how would Debo fit? Like he does so many things that are kind of similar to Christian McCaffrey, but he is maybe a little more physical, um, maybe a little more raw. But how how is how is Shanahan gonna extract the best of Debo that we saw him do all of last year? And who knows if he'll be able to, you know, keep this going or if defenses will adjust to him. But because there's less pressure on him now, I I do think we're gonna see a lot more of you know, Debo being able to break out at different points throughout the game. I mean, he had he had three carries for 37 yards. One of those was a 39-yard touchdown rush. Like, he is he is very feast or famine, uh, yeah. Debo Samuel is. But when he, when he does break one, he can be a game-changing type talent. And right now the Niners have, I think, 
three, maybe four of those guys on offense that can make a play for you when you need it. Ayuk being one, of course, Debo McCaffrey. And then as we saw last night, Kittle being able, maybe not on the second touchdown, but the first touchdown, certainly uh, the yards after catch were present. So if you have four different guys that can take a ball from behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage to the house or get open in tight spaces, down down underneath the goal line, um, you have the chance to put up a lot of points. And that's the only reason that last week I felt like the offense was not clicking. You cannot say that about this game. And I would like to hopefully see um, maybe more creativity from Shanahan, especially in the red zone, which was a place that they had been struggling a little bit this season. Yeah, and in the red zone against the Cardinals, two for two. They converted two red zone opportunities into touchdowns. I think the big number there is not that they were two for two, is that they only had two opportunities. And it's not because the offense struggled, it's because they were getting the, the explosive scores. The 39-yard touchdown catch by George Kittle, the 39-yard touchdown run by Debo Samuel. So, I mean, you don't need to be as consistent in the red zone if you're scoring from beyond the red zone. And that was the case for the 49ers against Arizona. So, a big number there. A uh, quick note on, on George Kittle and Debo Samuel, or pardon me, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. This is the first time since the uh, week four of the 2000 season that the 49ers had two players with multiple receiving touchdowns in the same game. The two that did it in that week four game in 2000, Jerry Rice and T.O. Those were a couple of guys that we mentioned last week as Brandon Ayuk uh, had uh, four games of six or more catches for 80 or more yards. He does not get close to those numbers against Arizona. Two catches, 20 yards, but two touchdowns. But still, he did something else along with George Kittle that puts him alongside those same Hall of Fame names, Jerry Rice and T.O. So uh, incredible performance for the 49ers and from those two guys. And about Ayuk and Debo, certainly Debo has more of the, the game breaking in his DNA as a football player. But Brandon Ayuk is just so consistently open, specifically in moments where Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, desperately needs something on third downs. On that first touchdown early in the second quarter when the 49ers were yet to score yet, they were down 3 nothing, and the offense had kind of sputtered up to that point. It was Brandon Ayuk running a whip route, runs up to the goal line, essentially cuts left quick, and then very quickly changes direction back to the right to the inside of the field. Jimmy Garoppolo hits him, and there's five yards of space on every side of Brandon Ayuk. There is absolutely no reason that Brandon Ayuk should be able to create that much space in a condensed area of the field like the end zone. His route running lately has been impeccable, and it was on display for that first touchdown early in the second quarter. I'm not sure how many times you can see a receiver create that much space on, you know, what, a play from the, the five, six, seven yard line. I forget exactly where it was, uh, but that much space created by Brandon Ayuk, just elite route running, elite feet. He is getting so consistent at creating space, and that's why he's becoming one of Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite targets, specifically down there close towards the end zone. So if Brandon Ayuk is, we'll call him Jerry Rice, if George Kittle is <laughs> Terrell Owens, does that make Jimmy Garoppolo Jeff Garcia? I believe Oof. that was a, that was the quarterback from 2000. Jeff Garcia, I mean, underrated quarterback. I just, Oh, no, just no, because no. He, I, because he came oh. after Joe Montana and, and Steve Young and Hall of Famers. I think he probably gets um, not enough credit. Eh, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind being compared to, to Jeff Garcia. 
No, and, and, and here's where I want to go with this. Uh, Jeff Garcia, by the way, in 2000 was a pro bowler through 31 touchdowns. Had a very, had a, had an underrated season along with his underrated career as you're talking Helped about. Helped that he was Texas thrown to Jerry and T.O. too. Uh, certainly did. Wish the Niners could have won more games that year. But <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about it earlier, but but it was, okay, throughout this season, right, there's been uh, Jimmy Good, there's been Jimmy Good God, there's been Jimmy... <laughs> Uh, you know, w- whatever type of um word you want to fit in for for the G there, uh, I I thought it was Jimmy go got to go make a play last night. Like it was it was Jimmy at the improv. That that's what I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo last night, more so than any other time. Because look, and and you brought it up in the first half, which I didn't necessarily see, but Jimmy in the first half when pressure was kind of around him, like you, you talk about the internal clock that, that gets Jimmy in trouble sometimes just because he feels like he has to get the ball out. I, I honestly, I do not see as much of that from him this season, Mark. Like I, I don't see as much happy feet from Jimmy Garoppolo as in years past. And, and maybe that's because he's got more faith in his guys that are going to be open. Maybe that's because he has more faith in his offensive line that has gotten healthier in recent weeks. But I I do feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is as well as you know maybe making better decisions uh, with how he throws the football. I think he's demonstrating a better awareness in the pocket. So it's kind of these intangibles that you generally associate with either having or not having that we've seen him kind of step into or or elevate as opposed to his physical tools that to me have kind of always been there. It's just now about channeling them in the right direction uh and last night against arizona i know it's a, you know it's a bit hyperbole but but jimmy at the improv is is what i saw compared to especially how he started out this season where it was like as soon as he uh as soon as he hiked the football and started moving around and started dancing it was like oh god where, where's this football gonna go yeah and I, I think we were watching the game together last night and my comment was jimmy sometimes has that internal clock that you want a quarterback to have, but he sometimes has it in the wrong moments. When there's pressure closing in on him, for whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't click and he doesn't get rid of the ball and he, and he takes a sack when he shouldn't. That's that's kind of been a story of his career when he, he either can't escape or he's unwilling to throw the ball away and he loses eight yards on a play that could have just been an incomplete pass. And then there's moments, I think it was in the first half, I can't remember the exact situation, where the protection is perfect. But he kind of gets his, you know, Jimmy G happy feet, and he, you can you can kind of feel the nervous energy, and he's like, "Oh God, I I need to throw the ball away," and he makes an ill-advised throw that that you know maybe in in an alternate universe is an interception, whatever the case is, it just fell incomplete and, and it didn't really do much. But that was the moment where he didn't need to have that internal clock as much. You see, the protection is perfect, and then you can take longer, let the play develop with all these weapons. The defensive backs aren't going to be able to cover for the amount of time that your offensive line is blocking to keep you upright for. So that was one where it jumped out to me there, but I agree with you in that it's happening less and less of this year as it has in the past. And I think we have to credit the 49ers offensive line for this as well. I mean, we talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense. This for the 49ers is the fourth time since at least 1960 and the first time under Kyle Shanahan that the 49ers have five or more touchdowns from scrimmage, zero sacks allowed, and zero turnovers. 
essentially a perfect game on offense. The last time it happened, 2000, that same 2000 season. This was against the Cowboys uh, in September. Also happened in 1993 and 1961. The fourth time in San Francisco 49ers history, five or more touchdowns from scrimmage, zero sacks, and zero turnovers. The 49ers, led by Jimmy Garoppolo, a great offensive line, a skill position group that was phenomenal, essentially pitched a perfect game on offense. Wow, how did that 2000 team only win six games? It's <laughs> a great question. We'll have to go. I mean, dive this that is a like a lot deeper. of these stats are referring, yeah, referring back to that year. We we need to do a deep dive on what the hell Steve Mariucci was uh, was doing that year. 